Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Great are you, Lord. It is your breath in our lungs. Oh, mighty God, we thank you that we can praise you today. You give us life. You are incredibly great. And we ask humbly that today you will bring life to our tiredness, joy to our sadness, and hope where we need it the most. Open up all of who we are to hear what you have to say to us. Amen. 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 Fantastic to have you with us. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. And great to have the kids in. There are a bunch of youth on youth camp, but anybody who considers themselves kids at heart, you're welcome to come and get one of the activity sheets at the front. Uh, Grab a few texters to take back with you. And um, yeah, come now, kids. I know there's a few of you out there. Come and get the activity sheets. It is wonderful to have all of you here today. And as we continue in our short series on waiting well, we welcome also those that are online, friends and family that perhaps are unwell or just living too far away to make it to the building. We're glad that you can join us as well. So we're all in seasons of waiting. We experience them from time to time. We're we're looking forward to the start of holidays and then sometimes the end of holidays. New seasons, challenging seasons, we're waiting for them to come and go. And you know, God waits for us to turn to him. And we all wait for Jesus to return and take us home to be with him. Two weeks ago, Dan began with the topic of weeping, and he encouraged us, just as Hannah did, to come to God with our grief and sadness, to pour it out to him. Last week, Nick inspired us with a fresh look at trusting God, based on Isaiah 40, to allow ourselves to soar and rest in God during exceptionally difficult times to run with God in those occasionally challenging times, but to continually walk in faith with God in the everyday, to rise up and to trust God in our circumstances. To wait well is to come to God, to trust in God and to hope in God. So I wonder what you hope for. What's on your wish list? Maybe you've got a Christmas wish list, things that you are hoping for to receive. Maybe some things that you want to achieve or do in the new year. Perhaps you have a dream holiday plan. You might even have a bucket list of things that you want to achieve or do or places to go before you die. Things to hope for. But what if the money is tight? A pandemic hits and you can't travel as much as you wanted? What if your capacity to do those things and to buy those items is diminished or gone? What then do you put your hope in? You might hope that a relationship will be restored and 
You've done all you possibly can to show grace and forgiveness, to communicate and be clear on your expectations. And yet still, you can't change the other person. They decide whether or not they're going to be in a relationship with you. You hope, but you can only do your part. And sometimes things just don't turn out the way that you would wish for. What do you do if what you hope for is out of your control? Perhaps you hope that the cancer diagnosis, the mental health struggles or any other major challenge could be different. Sometimes what we hope for is beyond our ability to change it. Proverbs 13:12 says, "Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Our heart breaks, and it can be very hard to wait well." Our Bible reading today comes from Luke chapter 2, and it takes place in Jerusalem at the temple, 40 days after the birth of Jesus. Before the Magi have come and given their gifts and Mary and Joseph flee to Egypt. The purpose for this visit in the temple was to meet the requirements of Jewish law in regards to purification and consecration. It's believed in a similar fashion as Hannah, Mary also dedicates Jesus as a special offering to God's service. They didn't actually need Jesus to be there with them, but they chose to take him. And so we pick up from verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was, a, who was righteous and devout. That means he loved and obeyed God. Simeon walked closely with God. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That is, he was waiting for God to bring comfort to save the people of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents, that's Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. And this is where I imagine a bit of a Lion King moment. You know, when, when they hold up the lion cub and everybody is there to worship and bow down. But in this situation, not everybody knew what was going on. Simeon praised God, and it's recorded him saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Now, it's not that they were actually surprised that God had a significant plan for Jesus. They knew that, but they didn't know that other people knew too. But Simeon walked closely with God, and he had this special revelation from the Holy Spirit. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. You see, Simeon knew that while Jesus brought great hope, his mother Mary would suffer as she sees Jesus suffer. 
So as we picture this scene, what can these verses do to help us understand what it is to wait well with hope? Well, if we take a look at the character of Simeon, his hope was in God. He was a good man. He loved God and was waiting for God to save the people of Israel. We can see that Simeon, who later calls himself a servant of the Lord, walked closely with God. When the Holy Spirit spoke to him, he listened and responded. There are three key things that Simeon recognized. The first is God's promise. In verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. He would see Christ, the Lord, the Son of God. That was God's promise to him. Now, I don't know how the Spirit spoke to him, if it was a sudden word of knowledge or a vision or perhaps when he'd been exposed to the prophetic scriptures, the Holy Spirit affirmed deep within him that Simeon would see the fulfillment of God's promised Messiah. The Spirit told Simeon to go to the temple at just the right time so that he would see Jesus when he comes. Simeon knows this child is God's provision. That's our second point. He pretty much says, okay, I can die a happy man now. I've seen it with my own eyes. God, you have fulfilled your promise to me. You have provided. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of God providing or, or anybody else providing something, I imagine it to be ready-made provision. Like if you're rocking up to somebody's house and you're asked to bring dessert, you don't just bring a bunch of apples, some flour and sugar and say, here's an apple pie or an apple crumble. You know, you, you make it. Kids, when you pack your school lunchbox, do you put in some orange seeds and hope that by lunchtime there's going to be a juicy orange for you to eat? No, right? And here it seems that Simeon has just jumped ahead like 33 years. He's praising God for Jesus the Messiah. Now, don't get me wrong, Jesus is the Messiah, and at least we know that because we know how his life unfolds and what happens but Simeon is right there at the beginning. Jesus is a baby. But he praises God for the promise, the provision, and the plan, even though it hasn't happened yet. So that's our third point, that Simeon knows God's plan. Simeon says in verse 30, My eyes have seen your salvation. He's seen the plan of God, what he's going to do to save his people and foreign nations. It took others a very long time to work out that God's salvation plan wasn't just for the Jews, but it included people of other nations. Simeon identifies God's plan, recognizing his mighty power as a light for all nations. In John chapter 8, Jesus himself gives him, says the title, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light that comes for all nations. So what did Simeon put his hope in? Well, it wasn't in his own success or personal achievement or a relationship or money or any other material or physical thing. His hope was in Jesus. God's promise and provide, God promised and provided and had a plan. Though probably not a plan that you or I would come up with. It was incredibly risky, and it was a vulnerable plan. A single young woman 
having a baby, pledged to a bloke that she was meant to marry, and asking them to care for Jesus, to raise him. And Mary ultimately suffered great anguish herself, seeing the brutality of Jesus' death and sacrifice. Simeon describes this plan would be like being pierced with a dagger or a knife. The life of Jesus would cause many to fall and others to rise up. As we see Pharisees and Jewish leaders turning away from Jesus and rejecting him, and fishermen and tax collectors choosing to follow him. Simeon saw the plan. And it was confirmed by the prophet Anna, an elderly widow who dedicated her life to God. If we read on in verse 37, it says that she worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Then coming to them at that very moment, she too gave thanks to God for providing the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, we don't know if they fully understood the spiritual freedom that Jesus brings for all who seek his forgiveness and way of life. But they certainly grasped something. They saw God's provision had arrived and they trusted that God had a plan. We know that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But this verse in Proverbs 13 continues, a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. Isn't that encouraging? So how can we avoid hoping for the wrong things? Yes, it's actually nice to look forward to holidays and changes to our difficult situations, but how do we go if our capacity to do those things or to buy those items is diminished? What do we do if hope is out of our control? Well, part of the problem could be our understanding of hope and what is a wish. You know, you might flip a coin and wish for heads or tails to win an advantage in a sporting match or just in a game. You might wish on a shooting star or have a birthday wish. A wish is a desire or a dream. You could wish for things to be different. But hope, hope is what is expected. It's a deep trust. It's a certainty. Now, a few years ago, I met up with um, some high school friends. We actually spent a whole afternoon together at my friend's house in Ballarat, and she's an, an artist, and it was a beautiful afternoon. But as I drove away with one of my close friends that we'd kept in contact with much more over the years, we were like, what's changed? What's, what's the difference between us who continue to walk with God, and these friends that had come to youth group and church with us and, and had chosen to walk away from God. What's made the difference? We've all faced difficulties in our life. And we've realised the difference was because when the challenges of life hit, they didn't run to God. They ran away from him and they lost hope. You see, hope is more than wishful thinking. Hope in the Bible is different to a wish. It means having solid confidence that God will deliver on his promises to us, that he will provide and that his plans will succeed. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 6 that we will find hope when we run to God. He is our refuge. It describes hope as firm and secure, trustworthy, steadfast and anchor for the soul that fixes itself on the solid reality of God's presence. 
to run into the very presence of God, into the Holy of Holies, because Jesus has made the way possible. Kids, you might remember in MPK, in term two, we looked at this concept of hope being like an anchor. What is an anchor? Well, it's a device usually made of metal that's attached to a ship or a boat. It has a strong cable, and when it's lowered down into the seabed, the point hooks into the bottom of the sea to hold the ship steady, even in rough waters. Like an anchor keeps a boat steady in a storm, having hope in God will keep us steady in our times of trouble, our times of waiting. So it's not so much what we put our hope in, but who. Hope in God is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. In the story of Simeon that we've looked at today, we saw that there was God's promise, God's provision, and God's plan. And as we consider hope in the Bible, we can also see God's promises, provision, and plan too. Firstly, that God's promise for us is that hope brings peace and joy. Romans 15 talks about this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Who is the source of hope? Well, it's God through the power of his Holy Spirit. And what does Paul say that hope will bring? Joy and peace. That is the promise of God. Secondly, our hope in God enables us to trust that God will provide all that we need. Paul writes to the Philippians in chapter 4, and this might be familiar verses to you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul goes on to say how thankful he is that the Philippians have given financial assistance to him and how blessed he has been. And then he assures them that my God will meet your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Paul is a man of hope. He has experienced hardship, but he knows that God will provide all that is needed. God is the creator of the universe and he has the power to provide all that we need, whether it be finances, doctor's appointments, um, to be in the right place at just the right time, like Simeon was. Thirdly, hope assures us that God has the best plan. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are familiar verses to many. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. He knows the plan. If you don't know what to do, ask the one who provides the path to follow. When you don't understand what's happening, he will make a way. We can trust God to show us his plan. Psalm 39 verse 7 also says, And so, Lord, which means boss, maker, uh, master, king of kings, the one in charge, where do I put my hope? Well, my hope is in you, God. 
Why can we put our hope in him? Because he knows all things. He created all things. He's all-powerful, loving and good. He's the one in charge. Hope is not just wishing for something to happen. It's a confident expectation that God will do what he has promised. He'll provide what is needed and he will fulfill his best plans. Our hope is in him. Simeon had a hope in God and saw it fulfilled. The arrival of Jesus at Christmas time is a time of hope and great joy for the world. But not everybody can see it. And maybe in your circumstances of waiting, you can't see God's promises being fulfilled, his provision or plans working out just yet. But I pray that you will begin to have eyes that see things from God's perspective. And who you put your hope in will become more important than what you are hoping for. Hope in God gives us the confidence to face whatever is going to happen. If we have this kind of hope, we will think differently and act differently to those who have lost hope. Having hope in God enables us to wait well. Let's pause to pray. Real and lasting hope is found in you, God. You are our anchor, certain and secure. Hope that may cause us to sing like King David and Jeduthun's song in Psalm 62. Yes, my soul find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall not be shaken. My salvation and my honour depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. My prayer for each of us echoes the words of Paul in Romans 12. Let hope make you glad. Be patient in times of trouble and never stop praying. As we wait with you, God, may we all wait well. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.